Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. At Kroger, you can find the highest quality products at a great price in every aisle every day with Kroger brand. So you can stock up on your household favorites that are tried, tested, and loved by you. Because when you get the products you love at great prices, it feels like winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week and back talking about the Champions League. It's just under a week for the first leg of the semi-final, so we thought it was about time we turned our attention back to Europe's biggest club competition. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and I'm joined by the rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yes, are you surprised to see me? Yeah, I mean, Sam just didn't turn up for Monday's Patreon podcast. Dean and I mm-hmm. waiting for him, 11 a.m., got cracking. About 12 o'clock, we'd finished. It was out. And Sam texted saying, sorry, that's just woken up. <laughs> real news to the uh, I mean, to, to be pack. fair, that is Melon of the Week territory, mate. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. really is. Oh, well. I did think about well, it. I either think this well, morning, I was like, oh, is he? He's well, done this t- in order to preempt it, hasn't he? He's like, like if, if I do it now, he can't make me make Maybe me win of the week. Well, yeah, I mean, look, ultimately, I've turned up today. Uh, I've turned over a, a fresh leaf. You're 24 <laughs> hours late. You think we're coming in for the for the Monday show? <laughs> Sam thinks we're about to do the post box. Mm. He's prepped for everything. It is Monday. It is. Uh, it is officially Monday in the uh, in the week of a bank holiday. I'll give you that, give you that breathing room at the very least. Mm. Uh, and of course, our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How are you doing, mate? 
Hello, mate. I've um, got a stupid cough, but apart from that, I'm fine. Um, I'll okay. be on mute for periods of this podcast so as not to annoy everyone. Um, yeah, but apart from that, mate, I'm good. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, it has been a bank holiday weekend in the United Kingdom. We've all been on various jaunts. Dean went to a lot of playgrounds. <laughs> I went it's, to I really did. Newcastle. Uh, and Sam went on a bender. By all accounts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been differing, but uh, it's time for things we love. And Sam, why don't you start us off? Sure. OK, so Monday night, we saw a particularly spectacular game of Premier League football, didn't we? Leicester City to Everton two, one of the most ridiculous games that I think any of us have really seen in a while. Uh, indicative of the situation that they're all in. Um, down at the bottom of the Premier League table, there are five teams in absolute hell right now and they are scrapping desperate for their lives. And, and what it creates sometimes is these incredible spectacles where it really is hell for leather stuff, but just riddled with mistakes and errors and, and, and a lack of confidence. And yeah, we saw two defences that resembled sieves. We saw four goals. We saw a missed penalty that was genuinely tragic. Uh, we saw missed sitters, you know, strikers racking up the XG and not converting. It really did have it all. Uh, and we're going to go on and talk about the four remaining Champions League teams in this episode. So sometimes it is nice uh, to get the contrasting layer of the land and to remind yourself that while obviously we have some some excellence to look forward to, right now there are some very different situations uh, on the table here for a lot of these different clubs. And this game, watching it second half, it struck me. It didn't really resemble like a Premier League game that was full of international footballers played in 2023. It didn't really resemble that at all. In fact, stylistically, it kind of felt like a game from the 1990s. Now, what I mean by that is you'd saw like maybe Iwobi or James Madison, like, you know, they'd, they'd beat the midfield line, they'd turn and look forward. It's like 30 yards of space in front of them to drive into. And then the camera pans either to the left or to the right. And the centre-backs just come into vision because they've dropped off so deep because they're so scared and so disorganised. It kind of reminded me of watching those old clips from the 90s. And do you remember when like, Michael Owen surged through on goal? Or we thought he was through on goal against Argentina in 1998. And the camera panned to the left. Defensive line stood on the 18-yard line waiting for him he's just run 40 yards past the midfielders and there's still four players to beat and it genuinely felt a bit like that at times two teams that could not defend could not defend counter-attacks the, de the defensive lines dropping so deep because it's so scared and it created this end-to-end -end sort of helter-skelter style it was amazing it was absolutely marvelous but it was also completely and utterly inept wasn't it, mm. it, yeah. it i think sieves is kind if I'm honest, when you're describing these defences, I, I would say colanders. The holes were just much bigger <laughs> than sieves. So that's that's my two pennies worth. It's so bad, it's so mm. bad, but so entertaining. Uh, I just I felt for everyone involved. You know, anyone who's got a stake in that game. You know, whether you're one of the two teams, a fan of the two teams, or, or whether you're a fan of maybe one of the other three that are also in that relegation mix. Like, what what emotionally, what are you processing through that 90 minutes? What is happening inside your brain? Oh, mate, imagine if you're a Leeds fan and you're watching it and you're not sure really who you want to win, what you want to happen, and then at the same time finding out basically during the game that Sam Allardyce has emerged as the man that's going to try and save your club. Like, there's another twist here to this <laughs> relegation fight. I mean, so we're already looking at, I mean, Southampton are bottom of the league and let's say they're gone now, four games yep. to go. They're not going to get out of that. So then you've got Everton in 19th, Forest in 18th. And then Leeds and Leicester in the two spots just above the relegation zone. I'm going to cut it off there. I think West Ham will probably be all right. So Leicester, Leeds, Forest, all are on 30 points. Everton are on 29. Um, and yeah, Leeds are going to, by all accounts, as it looks as we're recording right this, um, well, going to get rid of Grazia and potentially bring in Allardyce. Although I've, I have heard, like, if it's not Allardyce, then they are looking at people like potentially Harry Redknapp. Tony Pulis was mentioned. Tony Pulis, <laughs> yep. Um, to go from Bielsa to this in two years is just abominable. Thing of beauty. <laughs> it's how I would put it. Thing of beauty. Abominable. It's Leeds. not great, but, they, but they, they're getting rid of the director of football. Victor Orta's going to leave after six years in the job. So this is now the, the guy above him. It's Angus Kinnear, right? He yeah. is basically making a four-game appointment, and it's his call. Four and games he, as well by the way, City away, Newcastle at home, West Ham away, 
Tottenham at home. It's a horrible Ouch. run in. And I mean, I spoke to someone last week who said, like, if we get to May and we're on 30 points, this is bad. Like, it's panic time. Um, and, you know, so since then, they drew they drew one all with Leicester and lost 4 1 at Bournemouth. So it definitely is panic time. I tell you what, I think we might even see one more plot twist here Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest. Really? I reckon. I reckon wow. there's a chance. They've so actually, uh, that's, but that's where I was on Saturday. I went to Brentford against Forest. Mm. Um, and it was Forrest... so good that he took two days to recover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Brentford weren't particularly great, but they still beat Forest. And Forest will 1-0 up. And they did that thing again where they ended up finishing the game with 10 men because they'd made all their substitutions and they got an injury. And it happened last month against Aston Villa. And yeah. it's happened again here. Twice yeah. in the space of about 30 to 40 days, Steve Cooper has made all of his subs and then got an injury and had to finish the game with 10 men and lost. And they lost in the 94th minute on Saturday. It's like directly affecting what's happening. It's not great, is it? Like, no. come on. No, I mean, I, I do wonder. I do wonder about lots of things. The thing I'm wary of with Allardyce, um, apart from him having maybe the best song in football, is <laughs> to the concept of, he hasn't managed a game since what May twenty twenty one. His West mm. Brom side relegated by, I believe, didn't they lose to Leeds? <laughs> I think Leeds sent West Can't Brom remember. down. I think Leeds sent West Brom down, and now he's about to return as West as Leeds manager. Four games trying to I don't know. Two years out of the game, not for me, mm. Clive. I don't think mm. not for me. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a mate who's a Leeds season ticket holder. Uh, and he's just texted me literally. Don't ask me anything on Big Sam, and he's put a thumbs down. And I said, mate, surely he can't be any worse than what you've been watching. And he said, oh yeah, Big Sam will be steering us to victory at the Etihad on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I saw yeah, a fair yeah, bit yeah, of fair the uh, of, of Leeds fans who were desperate to get rid of Victor Orta who they believe has wreaked havoc upon the club. Yeah. Um, and some a lot of tweets to the tune of Victor Orta is gone, but Big Sam is coming in as manager. And then that meme of I've won, but at what cost? Yes. Um, it does feel a bit like that, I think, at Leeds at the moment. Yeah. But the relegation scrap is incredible. Incredible. Um, and actually, that's a nice little segue to take me on to my thing I love, because I want to talk about the final day or days of the championship season. Because pretty much everybody in the entire division has played 45 games now. They have 46 games in the standard championship season before the playoffs. There, are, there is one exception to this, and it's quite a big exception. Sheffield United, who were promoted recently and achieved their target of returning to the top flight, play Huddersfield, who are perilously close to going down into League One. Now, normally, I would be able to like, okay, cool, if Huddersfield get even a point in this game against Sheffield United, who potentially, I mean, they can't catch Burnley in second. They can't be caught by Luton in third. They realistically should be in party mode, right? They, they, they have to be. Now, I remember mm. Fulham going to Sheffield United on the last day of last season, getting absolutely spanked by 4-1. And it just didn't matter because Fulham had been crowned champions three days beforehand. Huddersfield scrapping for their lives. But in some ways... It'll be great for the division if Huddersfield don't get a point because the final day of the season sees Reading in 22nd and the final relegation spot play Huddersfield one place and three points above them with the caveat that if Reading were to win that game, they would jump Huddersfield into the final spot of safety, which I think is the kind of drama that everyone's kind of up for on the last yeah. day of the season. I, I mean, I'm completely well, discounting Huddersfield fans <laughs> who won't want, yeah. won't want this drama at all. Not and them. I completely respect that, 100%. I get it. It is at Huddersfield. So it would be the chance to secure their survival at home on the final day, which just a point would do. But I think it would be a bit stressy for my liking, if I'm honest, if I was a Huddersfield fan. Mm. Yeah, it's that's stressful. That's stressful. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, don't. I mean, I, I, that's that's that kind of that's the whole. Um, you know, you, you it's like a car crash that you don't want to look at, but you can't yeah. look away, sort of thing, isn't it? You like you appreciate that those people are genuinely going through hell, but you really want to see them go through hell because that's kind of what football's all about. So, yeah, 
up the Sheffield United on that game in hand, eh? They yeah. Can't I, hope, caught, I, but... I do hope Huddersfield stay up, but I hope they stay up on the final day against Reading. Like that's that's where I'm at. For the drama, for the drama, I'm all about the drama. Um, and then, you know, because the top of the league is completely set, Burnley are champions and Blades will be going up in second behind them. Uh, the top two spots in the playoffs also set, Luton and Middlesbrough. But it gets super exciting from fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth down. And... I kind of touch on this because I was at Sunderland at the weekend and they played Watford at the Stadium of Light and came back from 2-0 down to draw 2 all in the last minute. It was an amazing atmosphere. Uh, I was with my friend Harry Stagg. He's a big Sunderland fan. It was great to, to be with him, to see Patrick Roberts, my star boy of so many years back, score a 90th minute equaliser. It was great, great scenes and what a goal it was as well. Um, but it did mean that Sunderland's destiny is kind of out of their own hands at uh, the weekend. So the championship table reads thus, Coventry are fifth uh, with 69 points, Millwall sixth, 68. That's the current cutoff for the playoffs. Then Sunderland are seventh on 66 points, West Brom eighth on 66 points, Blackburn ninth on 66 points, and then it goes down from there. But those are the only clubs still in contention. So Blackburn, West Brom, Sunderland, Millwall and Coventry scrapping it out for two spots. Now, Coventry go to Middlesbrough. And this is going to be interesting because Middlesbrough have kind of lost the last two and lost their way a little bit. But they're securing the playoffs. You'd imagine that they kind of... well, I, if, if Coventry win or draw this game, they play Middlesbrough in the playoffs. So you're kind of a bit like, if you're Borough... I assume what you're looking at is well, we have to get the jump on this lot now. Make sure that they don't feel that they've got any sort of advantage going over us in that first playoff semi-final. And if that happens, then Coventry are therefore in danger of dropping out of the playoffs. So Millwall in sixth, play Blackburn in ninth. Sunderland in seventh, play Preston in 11th. And West Brom in eighth, play Swansea in 10th. So everyone between six and 11 is playing each other, although only three of them can get back into the playoffs. Sunderland need Blackburn to win at Millwall or a draw in order to leapfrog Millwall and potentially Coventry. West Brom need Millwall and Blackburn to draw or a Blackburn win and Sunderland to lose or draw to Preston and then Swansea. It's like this kind of six-way shootout going on everywhere that's kind of also impacted by what's going on between Borough and Coventry as well, because if Borough beat Coventry, Coventry had dragged all the way back into the mix. So it's an incredible, incredible lineup for this final day in that not only are all the teams playing each other for these spots and all going to be kind of like, this is the one where everyone's on the radio in the stands, you know, listening mm -hmm. to the radio, trying to get the yeah. updates from other games. And then at the bottom of the league, we have this potential Reading Huddersfield shootout. I'm super excited, super psyched about the last day of the championship season. So I just nice. wanted to bring it up because it feels like a real good vibe right now. Yeah, I've got, to, I've got to say, you know, Borough Coventry potentially they're meeting three times in a row is absolutely horrific. Like that's just awful, isn't it? No yeah, one. You wants want nothing that. to do with that. Nothing yeah. at all. Yeah, not not a nice way to finish your season. However you look at it. So we will see. We will see, but the end of the championship season looks very, very lit, and I'm excited for that final day. Right, DJ, over to you. I'll be quick. Um, anyone that's listened to Patreon will know that my local team, Walton and Hersham, are on the rise. We are the greatest non-league team there is now that Wrexham are gone. Um, got so, County absolutely fuming. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> um, so my local team, Walton and Hersham, are owned... By a group of lads who bought the club when they were 19 years old. They're now 22. Um, they've just had... Oh, this weekend, they secured their third successive promotion. Um, they won their playoff final 3-1. They sold 2,500 tickets. It was completely sold out. Like The people outside couldn't get in. They live-streamed the game into all the local pubs which were packed and sold out and they're up like this group of lads and what they've done to Walton Hershey. When they took over the club, the team were about to just be folded. Like they were about to be relegated. They were obviously three leagues lower than they are now. And yeah, the, the chairman was like, yeah, I can't do anything with it. So one of these young lads was like, he was basically at uni and he wasn't enjoying uni. 
So it was like, text his mates was like, lads, we're buying a football club. And they're like, what are you talking about, mate? Um, and he managed to convince them all to do it, put a little bit of money in each, uh, rode the COVID wave and all of that. And here they are. They're now in the seventh tier of English football, which is actually pretty good. So obviously the top four are Premier League Championship, League One, League Two. Then tier five is the National League, which Wrexham have just got out of. Tier six is National League South, basically. And you've got some big teams in there. Like, I think, did Yeovil just end up in League National South? Might have. Um, but you get some big followings, big teams. And Walton Hersham now one league away from that. So I've just given a massive shout out to them. You can actually go and follow them. A lot of people that listen to the Patreon with us have actually started following Walton Hersham online. They've got 1.1 million TikTok followers. One of their games recently had 300,000 views. And they did a live stream on, on, on TikTok and YouTube. They had 300,000 at one amazing. point. They had 15,000 concurrent from all around the world. Like what they've done, honestly, is absolutely ridiculous. So check out Walton Hersham. Um, it'll give you something a bit different. A, a few people actually messaged me yesterday saying, thanks for introducing me to Walton Hersham. Like it's been really fun, like watching their games and stuff and following them on TikTok because they do these little match day vlogs and stuff. So yeah, big shouts out. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Vibes, lots of vibes uh, mm. going on at Warner. And we play against Jack's Hanwell Town next season, so we got a, a fight. Ranks Derby. You've got a ranks Derby. Um, yeah, I've said before, like me and Jack are going to have a fight in the car park ahead of that game. <laughs> so if you want to see that, maybe they'll do a, a live. Maybe be on the maybe on the Walton Hersham TikTok. One point one million watching D and I have the worst fight of all time. It would be, yeah. Exciting. Uh, and on that, I think we should probably close things we love before we get completely sidetracked. Yeah, let's go uh, and move in to our main ranking for this week, talking about the Champions League last four. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, or it's time for our main segment, looking at the final four teams in this season's Champions League. We've been throwing up some treats in the semi-final, a derby della Madonnina, the Milan derby on one side of the draw, and then Real Madrid, Manchester City, back again against each other in the Champions League in the other side of this. It's all very exciting, Sam, so I'm going to throw to you, and the floor is, as they say, yours. Yeah, and we're going to stay on brand and we're going to rank the teams four to one uh, based on how likely I think they are to go ahead and win the Champions League. Um, when I started to put this together, I sort of realised that obviously there's there's one of the two games probably has most people's favourites to go one way or the other and the other one doesn't. So I don't think there's any any spoilers to say that we're going to be we're going to start by discussing the Milan derby. And I think we can figure out which of those two teams is going to head up, end up in third place in the ranking. And then we'll move on and we'll discuss the other one. Um, just like to pull one out for my bracket, which had <laughs> Napoli Benfica here. Dear, dear. Oh, dear. Um, and by Munich in the other. Well, you know, you get one of the four semi-finalists, right? It's quite good vibes, to be fair. I, I'm t- <laughs> Not Rach's, good for the rep of the pod. Rach's bracket is doing better. Oh no. <laughs> she got in, she got into to beat Benfica and she's got into in the final. Um it yeah, it, it's it's really bad. It's really bad. But anyway, we have to forget that for now. And uh we can focus on on brighter days ahead and brighter days are coming because we get to watch these two games. Um Milan and Inter, let's start here. They mm. feel incredibly difficult to split. They feel pretty evenly uh compared. I mean, they're going to share a stadium. They're going to play a fierce, a fierce derby game here. I'm trying to find my way through the squad to try and find out who I'm favouring. I look at the teams, I compare them. They've both got exceptional goalkeepers. They both actually have grizzled target strikers. They both have warriors and fighters in midfield. And they both have a really nice mix of like that veteran centre-back and that kind of mid-20s to up-and-coming talented centre-back it's a nice balanced age pair there's actually like a ridiculous amount of similarities between these two teams and how they've been built but they do have one major difference and that is the profile of their attacking key player so Rafa Liao is very different to Lautaro Martinez and they kind of epitomize I think how these two teams want to play and how these two teams would ideally set out so Liao 
and we just go back to the crazy, crazy assist, right, against Napoli. And you've got that explosiveness, that speed, that like long stride dribbling. If you can find him some space to run into, he is going to hit it and he is gone. And that kind of informs how Milan, I think, want to play here, right, at this stage of the competition. If they can play a little bit more reactively and lean on counterattacks and explode into space, they will be very, very, very happy with that, I think. Inter, I think, want to play quite differently. They don't have a player like Liao, but they do have Lautaro Martinez, who can be a little bit hit and miss. But generally, when games turn to chaos and when the ball's flying about everywhere and the tempo turns up, Lautaro tends to thrive because he's kind of like that floating support striker who just kind of pops up. He's got good long shot. He's got a good understanding of where to where to turn up and where to find space. And once you get to a certain point where, and it inevitably happens, the game will will just melt into a period of 10 minutes of chaos. Lautaro feels at his most comfortable there. And so therefore, Inter do as well. So I think you've got, you've got the juxtaposition there. You've got Milan who want to play in a very controlled and probably slower fashion, which they achieved to their immense credit against Napoli. Managed to keep a lid on that game for a long time, over two legs. legs. And they'll try to do it again. Inter, I think, will try to make it a little bit more of a circus and try to crack the game open and increase the tempo because I think that that's where they'll think they can get the better of Milan. So how do you split it? It's basically a fight to play the game that you want to play, the tempo you want to play it at. That's what football is often about. But when you get two, two teams of this quality at this stage of the competition, it gets very nervy and only one can win. Only one can have their way. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think that, as you say, these are two teams with a lot of similarities in terms of squad building. Mm. But actually, what I'm seeing at the moment is a real difference in terms of the way that they're playing. And the Inter went through a really bad period, right? Really mm. rubbish stretch, I think, at the turn, basically, of, of the year into about February. They grasped their way through a couple of Champions League games. You know, the Porto one in particular felt like a stretch and felt like the kind of game that they very much could have been knocked out in. And they, they kind of eked their way over the line. Yeah. Since the three all draw with Benfica that get, you know, that clinched this semi-final, they've won three games in a row. Now, obviously Empoli is Empoli, but they've then beat Juve in the second leg of the Coppa Italia to progress to that final. At the weekend, they put up a really impressive win over Lazio. And I think what's really interesting is the kind of re-emergence both in terms of form and fitness, but also in terms of as a partnership of Lautaro and Lukaku, or Lula, as it's sometimes known. Lula. And when when you kind of look at that, what we've seen, I think, across the course this year is that Lautaro has played a lot of minutes with Dzeko, and Lukaku's minutes have often come alongside Joaquin Correa. And, and that's the kind of way that Inzaghi has kept, kept it throughout the season. And of late, we've just started to see I think it comes mostly from that was the the kind of the Lautaro Jeco partnership often started games and whilst he's been coming back from from injury Lukaku's been coming off the bench at the same time as Correa. Yeah. So I think that's where it comes from. So Lukaku's return to full fitness has meant that we've seen this reemergence of the partnership that we loved obviously a couple of years back when when they were in flying form together and I don't think it's any coincidence that Inter have hit a little bit of a, a rich vein of form just as these two start working together again, because they have that explosiveness in the partnership, but also they just seem to understand each other so well and they, they kind of dovetail beautifully. And, and so I think that Inter's renaissance has come at a beautiful time for them. And you kind of look at it in stark contrast to the game against Roma that Milan played at the weekend, because it was just such a subdued game, which kind of suited Roma a little bit. Roma not having a great streak of form themselves. And Milan just sort of really didn't go at them you know, in a way that I was expecting them to. There was really little drive in the game, a little verve. Now, they did well. And obviously, Salamakis scored a really, really late goal to salvage a point for Milan in this game after conceding a late goal. But kind of just generally, I thought it was the kind of game where I was, I was expecting Milan to turn up the heat, you know, before the weekend and then before the game next week. This massive, massive derby in the Champions League semi-final. It doesn't get much bigger than this, does it? Like, these are the games. Mm. And when you look at that, I just just feel like Inter are in a much better place right now than Milan are. 
And they were so good at the weekend, write, yeah. I'm not going to write Milan off because I did that against Napoli and they turned up and defended like Trojans and they were brilliant, fundamentally brilliant, I think, in the defensive phases of the game. But I just worry about their form going into this one. I really do. It really is impossible to predict, I think. Like, I don't think you could logically pick one team or the other because it just depends on how the actual fixture opens up. And like Sam says, like, who gets to dominate um, in terms of the style of play? But I'll I'll edge with Milan just on instinct, um, given the ride that they've been on, like winning the league and then getting back into the Champions League, getting into the knockouts of the Champions League and getting all the way here. Like, this is everything to them. They've waited so long to get back on this stage that um, it's a good narrative. Jack, you should probably be back in it. Um, yeah. And the Liao <laughs> factor. The Liao factor is like an X factor. Like, there's, you look for what could decide. And as we said about the, what he did against Napoli, like, that's just absolutely ludicrous. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an unbelievable fixture. I can't imagine what Milan is going to be like on those match days. I would edge into um i just think i just think that all of this plays one way or the other which is nice because it leaves sam with a casting vote yeah i mean don't trust me Rach, what do you think um, <laughs> she's not available for elite predictions Comment. at the moment um she's busy doing her own job she can't do mine for me as well, well she um, is, yeah well uh just think back to her bracket she had into into to win In it final, so, uh, yeah. no i um i, I look i think i'm gonna shade ac milan here um I think what it boils down to for me is I'm kind of I'm kind of pit, like pitting the key players against one another, and I'm kind of just I'm going to say that I, I kind of back Rafa Liao over Lautaro Martinez, and I'm going to back Mike Magnon over Andre Onana. I think like the, the one thing we haven't discussed there is just how good Mike Magnon is, like how difficult it yeah. is to actually beat milan and how difficult it is to score more than one goal basically against them while he is fit he is outrageously good and it's not something that milan had to call upon over the the difficult january period where they lost a lot of games because tata rosano is obviously nowhere near as good but since he's come back in you know milan have been very very difficult to get the better of and so while into are in better form i'm gonna i'm gonna say milan i'm gonna go for milan I think we've noticed over the course of this year that the you know your league form doesn't necessarily dictate how you perform in the Champions League. No, right? there, there there is elements of this, and we've seen a couple of different things this season. Like they were Milan were brilliant against Tottenham in that first leg, weren't they? And then they I think they lost or at least didn't win back to back games in Serie A. Uh, one of them was against Fiorentina. I think the other one was Udinese, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but then they went back and sort of shut Tottenham out and put on a really impressive defensive display. And I, I do wonder if actually the element of this that maybe another one we haven't really considered is Milan will play differently in the Champions League than what they would in Serie A. And I think they will be happy to sit back and soak up pressure. And actually this team might be quite good as underdogs, as they showed us against Tottenham, as they showed us against Napoli. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a team that's quite good at soaking up pressure. It's actually when they've, they're kind of expected to go out and dominate teams that they've struggled a little bit. And I think the way that interplay might just feed into that a little bit. Well, they better make sure they score the first goal then, because if they get brought out of the comfort zone and have to go and start chasing, they'll be reluctant to do it. I'm not saying they concede and immediately just start going for it. But if the situation calls for it, yeah, that might be where they come unstuck. So I hope they score the first goal for their sake. Fingers crossed. Okay, shall we go to the other game then? Yeah, well, just uh, for the record, that that means that Inter are once again bottom of the rankings. (laughs) (laughs) They are fourth. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've set myself up for another fall and uh, Milan will go in at third and then we'll move to the other semi-final. So this is obviously a repeat of last year's absolute carnage, Man City and Real Madrid, uh, where the Rodrigo minute happened. The, the, the two goals right at the death, um, second leg, pushing it into extra time. Benzema obviously goes and scores and seals the passage to the final. It's one of the most random, chaotic, bizarre, ridiculous, heartbreaking things I've ever seen, really, in football. I think that that <laughs> those those two Rodrigo goals in yeah. the space of like roughly 70 seconds was just absolutely ridiculous uh, and you know inexplicable and you know some, something that has as people say you cannot legislate floor and it's just it's just felt like ever since that moment ever since that night 
Guardiola has had the images and the emotions of of that evening sort of burning in the back of his brain all the, the way through this season. It's just, yeah, he's just he's just been unable to let it go. And it, it it's amazing, actually. You go back and look at the teams from that night. And that night, Man City played 4-3-3 and started Foden, Jesus, Mares, Cancelo, Laporte and Kyle Walker. And you know what? I don't reckon, well, Jesus or Cancelo obviously cannot, but the other four probably won't start against like six players will be different the on the ball she- shape is vastly different the way they they press has been tweaked john stones is now you know barnsley beckenbauer full-fledged harland is around now up top instead city feel in the space of a year so incredibly different to what they were and you know we've been talking about it all year they they want to control they want to control the speed and the tempo they want to want to be able to shut teams out and squeeze them dry and it's it, we've all got we've all got this feeling that it's all about getting back to this stage of this competition, and finally going all the way. And that Real Madrid game last year was like, you know, Madrid were essentially better than them for about three minutes over the course of 180 minutes, and they still managed to win. So, so you know, what do you do if you're Pep? Do you embrace the chaos, or do you make it so that you're the better team for all 180 or all 210? And I think he's gone with the latter. He's gone with ultimate control. And we'll see, And you know, this this is it. This is the test. Like everything he's been working for this whole year, this is the test. Like, will it work? Was it justified? Was everything that he tried to do over the course of the season, was it right or was it wrong? Because it feels like, oh, here they are, Real Madrid in the semi-final again. And Madrid have barely changed. Like mm. Casemiro's gone. And apart from that, they could quite easily, injuries permitting, feel the same eleven. Casemiro accepted from last year's semi-final. Like mm-hmm. it just I wouldn't really surprise that like Men- Mendy's going to be injured probably, but Alaba was in the squad then. Got the same defenders, <laughs> Valverde, Vinicius, mm-hmm. Benzema. Like it's the same team. And my comparison, as I was drawing this up in my mind, was like it would feel a little bit unjustified for Real Madrid to beat them again if it happened in the same way as before, but. It's kind of got that feel like when the person who studies all year for an exam goes in and gets 68. And then the person that does a last minute cramming session the night before goes in and gets 70 and gets mm-hmm. a better grade. And it will just feel a bit like that because Madrid, you know, Carlo's like, eh, we'll probably win. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't do any prep. But City, I think, have been working towards this moment their entire season. This has been everything for them. And for Madrid, it's, oh. it's just another game. It's just another exam and they'll rock up the same way they always do and they might well win it again. I think there's a slight difference. There's one major, major, major difference from last year and just I'm talking logistically that the venues are flipped. Okay. Yeah. The venues are flipped. The second leg is in Manchester. I think that makes an absolutely gargantuan difference to actually how this plays out. I think it can change the mindset of the game because Man City can go into that uh, first leg with kind of damage control, really. Like, just make sure we're still in this game. Um, And it's very unlikely, I think, that in that game, like Jack Menson's, because at the Bernabeu, that they get totally overwhelmed and lose track of where they're at and like Madrid win by three goals or something. I can't see that happening because I just don't, there's no need for that to happen. And I don't think Madrid are that much enough better on their day than Man City to make, even make that happen. Look, I've, I've gone with Real Madrid all season and it's all been based on vibes. But also, you know, obviously it's, it's pedigree. It's the fact that they do turn up in these occasions, but Oh, this is the first, first real doubt I've had because I think over two two games, especially the second one at the Etihad, Man City are a better team. Mm. They are a better team and they now have what they didn't have last time was a guaranteed source of goals. Like they obviously used to share them around. It wasn't like they were short on goals, but they didn't have the they go-to. They four, didn't score over yeah, two legs. Yeah, they, they didn't struggle <laughs> with goals, but they didn't have the the guy that you're yeah. like, we need a goal. We need you to get us a goal. He's like, okay, I'll get one. Um, and Harland, I think, is built for an occasion like this. Imagine how excited he is about this game. Like, he scored 50 goals, whatever it is, so far this season. Like, 
is it's been unbelievable and he's going to live for moments like this throughout his career probably the biggest platform we've really seen him on so far um and i just think that man city can do this i th- i think that they actually will do this traitor i know yeah, i know it feels weird to say i was it was funny i was i was literally giving this thought i was like yesterday i was like what do i actually think like don't just go with your hunch here like that it's real madrid and i was like don't do just say real madrid again yeah like <laughs> you've got to have some real real clarity as to why you would say that and it you know it would just be like the vinicius factor the experience they have on the stage and it's the same old stuff but man city have more in their armory now than they had last time around more than they've ever had before in the Champions League. Doesn't mean they're going to do it, but I think if this was the final, I would back Real Madrid. In the semi-final, I'm backing Man City. That's wow. a really fair shout. Yeah. Like, I, I actually completely can get on board with that because I was like, I, I do get that, and I understand that pedigree and competition history and experience, et cetera, et cetera, can all have a major say in a semi-final and did so last year in this exact game. But I, in a final, I think you'd be completely spot on to be like, well, I, I still think you have to make Real Madrid favourites. But the way that this City side look at the moment and just the kind of scary run of form that they're on, I, I just, and the, and the way that they dispatched Bayern, like mm. dispatched, and look, Bayern aren't great at the moment, let's be honest. Mm. Let's not, you know, pretend that they are the force that perhaps we assumed they were going to be. But the way that City swept them aside, like kind of nonchalantly, was like, wow, okay, cool. Like this is, is a team built for it. It's not to say it can't go wrong. And look, Carlos Vinicius Sr. scored one at the weekend. So imagine how much against City. So imagine how many Vinicius Jr. might be able to get. But just on the kind of course and the generalism of it, I can't look past City as a, a kind of sensible bet. Yeah. But again, if this game goes, if this guy goes super cyan and Real Madrid just go wild again, mm. I don't think you, as you say, I don't think you can legislate for that. But I think it's difficult to look at this game and predict that something like that is going to happen because those are the moments in football you go, you couldn't write this script. So if we're trying to write the script, <laughs> trying to ignore it. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, I, I feel like Man City versus Real Madrid is as a discussion, it's a proxy for like a deeply philosophical decision we have to make in our lives. It's like, it's the control versus chaos. It's the, it's the better footballing side against the team that show up in big moments. And it's about which horse you're willing to back uh, and about what you value. And it feels, it feels relatively philosophical. Um, Hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to like echo, echo Dean's thoughts there and, and say that, you know, Man City, I think over two legs, you know that should be enough minutes for the better team, yeah, to win. It should be enough minutes. Don't know, but that's what I'll go with. I'll go with City at one and Real Madrid at two. Yeah, I mean, what what you're saying there, I assume, is that you think the winner of this competition comes out of this tie, um, and that neither neither Milan side have the capacity to stand against either of these in a couple. Yeah. Of okay, well, listen, but... no, I'll tell you this: if Inter do it again and. If they win another game where I've predicted them, I will I will put in to, to win the final. If they do it again, if they continue to defy me, I will start to predict them to win just to get them back. Right. <laughs> or even though you would end up then being wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, be but I'm doing what I do with Dortmund every week. <laughs> Find them write them off, them write them off, write them off, back them, hate them. Yeah, that's that's what we've got to okay cool so there it is inter at four for sam milan at three real madrid at two and manchester city at one on course just as they've gone top of the premier league as well just as they've gone number one in the prem who knew well, actually, by the time you by the time this goes this, out, they might not, they be. Might not be anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they've been there. So for we'll it. See. They've been there for it. They have. Hey. They have reached the top of the summit. Uh, yeah. if, however, briefly, we do not know right this moment. Okay, well done, Sam. Very, very good stuff. Uh, after the break, we'll be returning with, of course, the melon of the week and the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our third and final segment. And as always at this point, Dean Jones, the floor is yours. 
It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Lucas Mora. Tied with Ryan Mason. Because I don't think you should have brought him on. But anyway. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I don't really even need to do this segment this week because I've had so many messages saying, guess that's that then. More is the melon. More is the melon. Got so many messages about it. A few on Patreon as well. People saying, oh, more of what a melon. Obviously, yeah. So just in case you've been living under a rock, um, Tottenham were getting smashed 3-0. They came back to 3-3. Richarlison had just scored. Lucas Moura brought on as a 90th minute sub for Pedro Porro. And what was it? 670 seconds later after Richarlison's given Tottenham hope of completing a comeback and actually winning 4-3 at Anfield for one of the greatest comebacks ever. Moura plays a first-time ball straight back into his own penalty box. (laughs) And yeah, it's dispatched by Diego Jota, who says, thank you very, very, very much. Um, And as a result, um, Lucas Moura is about to be chased out of North London, never to be seen again, because I think it's pretty safe to say this will be his last season at Tottenham. Obviously, he got that red card earlier in the season. I was going to say, our patron Ben Williams messaged us saying, this is the second time this season he's subbed on and instantly lost Tottenham points with him getting sent off after 30 seconds at Everton, right? Yeah, it is like he's a special agent from from Arsenal, isn't it? It's, um, (laughs) It's hard to to replicate this it's hard yeah. to imagine i mean his contract's up isn't it at the end of the season contracts and he's, up, and he's going um, i mean there's ways to go out lucas and this this just isn't it i feel a bit bad for him because obviously like he's gonna have this, this his last contribution in a tottenham shirt because i a think lot they'll bring him is. on again they'll bring him on again for a home game i imagine just so the fans can say goodbye to him he's been there so long He's got to have his. He's got to have his parade around not the. Sure those, not sure those fans are going to be that happy with their goodbye. If I'm honest, <laughs> if I was there, I'd be quite angry. I'd say. Oh, look, he's contributed some good moments, hasn't he? Oh, he got he got that hat trick, didn't he? Yeah, one hat-trick. brilliant night in Amsterdam. There you go. Should be in folk folklore statue. That ball is in ball is in Tottenham folklore. I imagine it's in the museum, right? What the one from the weekend or the one from the weekend before? Hopefully not the one from the weekend. (laughs) It's time for Shout Out of the Week. This week's Shout Out of the Week goes to EK Life, who's written in on Apple Podcasts from America. Prepare yourselves, people. So the title is so good. He's given us the five stars. That's what we want. This is his description for the world to make people want to listen to this podcast. Podcast so good. Make you want to slap your mama. <laughs> That's it. That's what he's given. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> you can write what you want, I guess. I mean, not, not sure I've ever been so happy to listen to a podcast. I've slapped my mum, but, you know. <laughs> it's up there with it good. <laughs> good. <laughs> it good. Um, that was a good review. Thanks, EK Life. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's speechless <laughs> I am actually speechless yeah it's we haven't had um, an influx obviously he didn't have it last week the shout out of the week because of the the nature of the pod um, so we didn't have loads this week to pick from um, and that's that's what we've got to work with people <laughs> so what I will say is if you do give us a five star review um, and write a few nice words the chances are at this rate you're going to get read out on the pod so um Try your chances right now. Pause whatever you're doing. Get into your podcast app and give us the five stars. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, it's very much appreciated from everybody who has sent them in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. It's time for the gibberish rankings, which is fun. So, yep. Sam, over to you. I've got a gibberish ranking for you. But before we get into it, I'd like to read out a gibberish tweet that uh, has popped up on my phone in the last five minutes it's oh. faced with possible sanctions from uefa and la liga joan laporta the barcelona president is studying the possibility of barcelona playing in another league <laughs> the asian leagues are being considered according to the spanish newspaper sport the sorry asian leagues. they're going to move barcelona to asia <laughs> what what is there nothing this man won't do? No, I mean, uh, to be nothing fair... Nothing he won't consider. I do I do respect the limitless imagination 
Joanne at Laporte, least go to perhaps. the Scottish Premier League and give that a go. His, limits, his capacity for coming up with solutions that everyone else looks at and goes, huh? Is genuinely, I think, unmatched in football. It, you can imagine the brainstorm. Everyone's team. like, just don't know what we're going to do. He's like, well, yeah. it's simple. We'll go and play in Asia. <laughs> that, <laughs> is, okay. that so is amazing. Quick, so quickly, before I do the gibberish ranking, you know, which three leagues would be best fits for Barcelona? <laughs> Not specifically in Asia, but where should they go? I mean, there's already a Barcelona in Ecuador, so they can't go really oh, yeah. to, to South America. I think that turf has been taken. Yeah. Um, but Asia would work. Um, well, Saudi. They'd have to go and try the Saudi league. Yeah. Ronaldo thinks he's got the run of it. The Qatar Stars League. Xavi's already managed that one. He's won it. He, he'll oh, know yeah. that he could fancy his chances doing it again. It feels like the best standard would be the J League, right? J1. Yeah, that'd be maybe they could good. do like a break off European, like, uh, and that's, that's where and Iniesta's been playing, right? We could have Athletic, Kobe. we could yeah. have Athletic Club and Real Sociedad, Barcelona and Espanyol, Monaco, like just independent bases who, who who feel like they don't belong to the country in which they currently reside. I'd be pretty into it. <laughs> the I Rebels think, League, uh, they call it. Yeah, the Rebels League. It would be yeah. like in. Sounds like something Gerard Piquet makes and then puts. Well, on there was Twitch. that. There was that famous league in Colombia, wasn't there? El Dorado, the glory days of Colombian football, where they disassociated themselves from FIFA and basically then were allowed to pinch players. I think Di Stefano played in it. Millonarios. This is where all the Colombian leagues formed. It was like a mm. four-year period where they were like the original pirate league, and nice. they were just because they weren't affiliated to FIFA, they didn't oh, yeah. have to no pay transfer. They didn't have to pay any transfer fees. So they were like, we'll pay you millions to come and play for us. And everyone was like, yeah, all right, cool. And so then they just walked out of their own clubs and went to join this new sort of breakaway league in Colombia. Maybe Barcelona could set up one of these. I'll tell you what, mate, that's a dangerous thing to say because Laporte is probably listening and taking notes. He's probably <laughs> thinking about that exact thing. Um, yeah. So scrub that. Who knows? Scrub cut, that. That didn't cut, happen. Juan, Juan, leave it. Yeah. Right. Straight into the gibberish then. Didn't speak about any of that. Don't listen to that, Laporta. Um, this week, I'm going to talk about the Bleach Report reunion that Jack and I went to last Thursday. We saw lots of old faces that we used to work with, and it was wonderful to see them. And Dean didn't turn up. So what I've decided like to do... out your book. Yeah. He's, uh, I'm just copying Dean. I always have. Yeah. I always will. Um, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Dean about the three biggest surprises from that night. Okay. Because he wouldn't have seen any of them because he wasn't there. And uh, hopefully this is entertaining to the audience. So I'm going to start at number three, which is centered on our very own Jack Collins here, growing facial hair. Um, Obviously, I've seen it on Zoom, but I hadn't seen it in person. It's pretty glorious, Dean, when you get to see it up close and personal. You've well, I see him at Fulham, Fulham, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine, imagine the shock for the rest of the room. Those, you know, yeah, our yes. old colleagues. I, I believe I saw. I believe I saw Jack within ten seconds of you walking in. Someone immediately touched your face, and started to yeah. sort of st- like stroke it. You know, crossing a lot of boundaries almost straight from the. Yeah, I don't mind that kind of thing. I'm quite a tactile human being. I think you would take that, you know, to serious offense, but I've always yeah. been quite tactile. Yeah, it was just like, oh, hi, Jack. I haven't seen you in two months. Let me just touch your face. Sorry, yeah. two years. Let me three just touch years. your face. It was, yeah, two years. So two, two to three years, maybe. Yeah. Um, but obviously, it was, you know, the talk, it was the talk of the room. Right. Um, for, you know, 30 Yeah, I guess we would, I probably wouldn't have thought too much of that. But yeah, if you haven't seen Jack for a long time, obviously, also, seen it like growing hair by hair on these Zoom calls. But um, yeah. Also, it's quite it's quite thick. I think you have got the makings of a a pretty a pretty You're good a bit beard. Italian, there. really. Oh, but I am a bit concerned that if you did grow a big beard, you would look a bit like an evil villain, because okay. I don't know. You kind of do have a bit of a sinister look about you at times. It's the Ramsey Bolton thing, it's, isn't it? It's yeah. It's because you look like Ramsey Bolton from <laughs> Game of Thrones, <laughs> and you sort of sound like him a little bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'd just be worried about that. But yeah, anyway, Dean, for thirty minutes or so, this was the talk of the room until <laughs> until at number two, our old graphic designer Mateus walks in uh-huh. with a very aggressive top knot, and I oh. mean aggressive it's not the top knot that's aggressive it's the fade around it it's the fade it's just the top knot and then skin yeah i mean he's pulling it off it's a handsome man yeah i mean to just i think you should probably describe like mateus's general look so so people could understand the the type of 
character and you know persona that, that he puts well, across because I mean, this is a I guy mean, that you know before the the christmas do would be in the gym literally yeah well, during it actually didn't he leave one year to go to the gym <laughs> He probably did, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Mateus is, is a is a handsome man. He's a cool dude. He's uh, Brazilian, Italian, and he's pretty suave. And you know, he's always been very trim, very uh, very clean, very clean cut. He's always had short hair, yeah. and yeah. then yeah, he he rocks up and and he's got one of the most aggressive top knots I've ever seen. It's shaved all the way up to the top with just like a bit of a puddle of hair on the top. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's not really a fade, is it? It's just um. It's, skin grade, grade, it's grade zero all the way to basically the crown of his head and then some some hair on top. And of course, uh, at this point, Jack's, you know, fledgling facial hair has been completely and utterly forgotten and discarded. Usurped, yeah. um, I'm sorry, but there's something more important and more interesting happening at the moment. And it's Mateus's uh, very aggressive top knot. But how did he take the attention? Oh, he loved it. Yeah, oh, okay, of course fine. he did. That's fine. I like Mateus. He's very good at his job. The as two well. of us were reveling in the spotlight together, yeah, having yeah. a good old time. Yeah, but fair play. the biggest surprise, Dean, yeah. was that uh, other Jack, not this Jack, another yeah. Jack, he walked in with a crutch, oh. with the help of a crutch. Just one. Just one. Just the one crutch. I thought, okay. oh, what's happened? And he looked me straight in the eye and said, I've had hip replacement surgery. What? Jack is about 30. I can't remember Jack. exactly how old he is, but he, I think he's a couple of years younger than me, like 30, 31, something like that. Yeah. And he has had a new hip. He's got Very a new lad. Hip. Very Chris Jenner. It's, happened. it's uh, well, I mean, ultimately, he, I asked him, like, what, you know, I thought I knew, but I was like, what happened? He's blamed, officially, he's blamed genetics. Bad genetics is what he's called it, but. He always had problems with his hips and his knees and his ankles because he used to do so much skateboarding and he used to struggle playing football because it was quite painful. I think the joints have just taken a bit of a beating, but it's pretty alarming to see you know, a 30-year-old with a new hip. I, I always say, play... get, it, get it done. Get it yeah, done. You know? I, I haven't spoken to Jack for obviously a long time, but I've seen him on socials. Wasn't he like on the golf scene or something? Yeah, he Wasn't he playing he... golf? How's no, he playing? He's, he's on the PGA Tour. That's where he works in now. He does does video and content for the PGA Tour. He does PGA play a lot of golf. Yeah, so, so I was thinking, I was where it's taking me straight. I was, how on earth has he played golf? Well, golf well, is, I think is maybe tough on part you. of it. I think yeah. part of it is that he wants to be able to play the golf again. So therefore, is uh, uh, therefore mm. is like right. Let's get this fixed. And I respect it. I respect it heavily. Oh, 100%. He's great. Yeah, Jack. fantastic. He, he always he always definitely had a few problems. So I was just it's always a bit of a surprise to see someone you know younger than the age seventy five getting a new hip. Um, <laughs> and he's you know he's had pretty pretty major surgery. Um, and he's had like the top of his femur. Um, like shaved off and replaced with metal. He's got one of those cards from the doctor so that he can get through an airport because he's now like titanium ceramic. Um, was he drinking? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, um, but but one, I remember distinctly, <laughs> Mateus, <laughs> Mateus tried to Mateus tried to pick Jack up into a bear hug, and Jack started screaming um, because he was like, "No, I've had a new hip! I've had a new hip!" And it was just the most comical scene. I wish you'd seen it. Uh, man with top knot picks up bionic man at Bleacher Report reunion. The headlines would be unbelievable. And that is a couple of big changes that I wasn't aware of, so I appreciate that. Thanks that for filling awesome. me in. Great stuff. Well done, Sam. Very good. I'll come to the next one. I, the reason I couldn't come well, two is years time. Yeah, yeah, we double booked, and um, Tay was already out, and she wasn't back in time, and I wasn't going to come up at like nine o'clock at night. So, um, yeah, it was my fault for not putting it in the uh, mm, in the, the family diary. calendar as I usually don't. Yeah, <laughs> usually as is usually the case. These are the issues. These yeah. are the issues. Right on that bombshell. I think it's probably about time we called this a day. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to the rank of Mr. Samtai. Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much to our Chancellor Guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers. It really doesn't feel like we talked about much football. So, um, no. I guess we did, didn't we, at one point? <laughs> sort of. Sort of in the middle. Sort of. I've been Jack Collins, Name of Hearts. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much, all of you, for tuning in. It's massively appreciated every single week. And if you do have any mates you think would enjoy Ranks FC, we'd love it if you shared this with them as well. We will see you 
of course, next week where the Champions League kicks back off. We'll be on the YouTube channels doing Champions League previews and Europa League previews. We'll have a normal episode here on Wednesday morning and another one early on Thursday morning looking back at those first legs of the Champions League as well. Cheers for tuning in and we'll see you very shortly. Take it easy, gang. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.